Well, we're continuing this journey of learning how to abide by being with God, being with others, and being sent. We've actually dedicated this entire year, 2023, to learn how to do that. And in this specific teaching series, we're really drilling down on words that Jesus spoke on the night before he was crucified. And John recorded those in John chapter 15. And one of the things that Jesus said in that moment was John 15, 5. I am the vine and you are the branches. If a person remain in me, or that word remain is the same word abide. If you abide in me, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So we've learned already so far in this journey that abiding has to do with nurturing a endearing intimacy with God. And we do that by engaging with God in relationship. And we can do that by engaging into God's word and also praying and communicating with him. Ryan King gave us a beautiful picture of what that looks like last week as, we, as he talked about holding God's hand and walking with God. When we do that, there is peace and there's joy, there's freedom that comes in knowing God in that kind of way. And abiding has to do with learning how to love God and be loved by him. And most people would think that that's like the complete essence of all that abiding is. But there's actually really strong textual evidence that Jesus had much more in mind when he talked about abiding or remaining. That it does involve our relationship with God and nothing more than that or nothing less than that, but there is something in addition to that. And that's how we love one another. Abiding has to do with fostering a sincere love for others, and that's what we want to talk about today. This past week was Valentine's Day. I hope you treated your sweetheart well. Um, I had the impromptu opportunity to treat my sweetheart well. I don't want to make anybody uh, jealous. I don't want to brag, but while I was out for a run that morning, my wife texted me that the tire pressure light had come on on her vehicle, and she wanted me to know that she was pulling her car back into the garage and taking mine because she had an hour's drive for work that day. And so I made the time to get my wife something that every wife wants for Valentine's Day. She is now the proud owner of one 50,000-mile warranty Douglas all-tread tire on the rear part back passenger side of her vehicle. Now, I'm not so sure that that matched the definition of love that my wife has. I'm not so sure it'll help any of us today define what love is, but I think Jesus has some really helpful words. So we're going to turn to what he has to say in John 15, now looking at verse 9, if you want to follow along. This is Jesus speaking, and he says this. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain or abide in my love. If you keep my commands, you will abide in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friend. You are my friends if you obey my commands. Continuing to explain what it means to abide, Jesus made a very powerful statement to his disciples who were in that room that evening, but he also had us in mind when he said that. He says, I love you the way that my father loves me. Now, anytime that comparison is used between the way a father loves a child, I'm very cognizant that there are people who have some challenges when it comes to thinking about how their dad has loved them. Or you might say how their dad has not loved them. For the past two semesters, 
Crossroads has offered a men's Bible study here called Better Man. And one of the key things about Better Man is to help men develop a biblical understanding definition of what it means to be a man. Early on in each session, they deal with what's called the dad wound. This is just the pain that can be experienced because a dad is either absent or maybe um, harmful, even abusive, maybe just apathetic or passive. And that dad wound is certainly something that both men and women have to deal with. And so when we hear Jesus say, I've loved you the way that the Father loves me, I want you to know that this is a love that you can trust. This is a love that is pure. It's active. It's gracious. It's integrity-filled. It's compassionate. It's trustworthy, just to say the least, right? There is complete wholeness as well as holiness in the way that, that, that God loves Jesus and that Jesus loves us. It's a love that you won't find anywhere else. And Jesus says it's a love that you want to abide in. It's a, a love that you want to remain in. And Jesus tells us how. This is how you can abide in my love, he says. Obey my commands. Now when you hear that, at first blush you might say, well, that sounds a little conditional, doesn't it? Obey my commands and I'll love you. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus says, because I love you, obey my commands. There is an inseparable relationship between love and obedience. We know that in all healthy relationships. Think about the relationship you might have with your boss or a teacher at school. It's it's a relationship of respect, which is a low level of love. And that respect or love you have for that person, it leads you to want to follow their instructions. Uh, every kid can express their love to their parents by obeying them. I mean, we love our dogs and we expect them to obey, right? It's in every relationship, right? Jesus says that he showed his love for his father, God, by obeying him. Earlier in this upper room discourse, Jesus is talking about the oneness that he shared with God. And he says, everything that my father commanded me, I have obeyed. Hashtag perfect, right? Jesus speaks of this obedience bringing about joy. He says, joy is a fruit of obedience. Jesus says, I want my joy to be in you. I want your joy to be complete. In fact, joy is written all throughout this whole section of scriptures of Jesus' words. So many of you following Jesus It's like this dreary experience, like, oh, there's such a burden on my shoulders for all these thou shalt and thou shalt nots. It's just like the end of life and happiness as we know it when we decide to follow Jesus, right? Wrong. I love how the chosen has has chosen to personify Jesus. He's not this passive kind of like meek, mild-mannered guy with a long beard. He's actually kind of the life of the party. He's somebody that everybody wants to be around. He just exudes joy. I think that's a much better biblical picture of who Jesus actually is. And he invites us in to share his joy by following the commands of his Father. Now, when we think about commands, I mean, there's a lot of them, right? I mean, we can feel like this overwhelming sense of of responsibility and pressure because of the quantity of the commands found in Scripture or their intensity. But Jesus does a great job in summing up all of the commands of God in one word. And that one word is what? Love, right. Jesus said in John 15, 12, my command is this, command is in singular, love each other as I've loved you. 
It's not the first time that Jesus has summed up the entire law and commands in this idea of love. When he was asked about what the greatest command is, he replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And he said the second is like it, and that better translated would be the second is equal to it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands, Jesus says. These two are inseparable, loving God and loving others. And John continues that motive, especially in his um, letter that he writes at the end of the New Testament, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. Look what he says in 1st John chapter 4, verses 7 through 12 and on. He says this, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not know God, or whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. You see how intricate they are? This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since this is how God loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one's ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. Look what else John has to say. So we know and we rely on the the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us, so that we'll know that we'll have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. That's a powerful statement. He says, there's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. So in contrast to that, he says this, we love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. He's given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. I hope you can see this connectedness between loving God and loving others in learning how to abide. Jesus says we love others because God has loved us. It's not an option. It's actually a command. 11 times in 15 verses in John 15, Jesus makes this command, love one another. If we do not love others, then we have not embraced the love that God has for us. We cannot have one without the other. Jesus' love is the motivation as well as the example for us to learn how to love God back, but also how to love our brothers and sisters and all those around us. So how would you describe the love of Jesus? Well, the love of Jesus is something that exemplifies the love that God has for him. They mirror each other. That love is never ending. It has no beginning. It has no end. It's close and personal. It's without measure. It's unchanging. It's not erotic or romantic. It's sacrificial. That's why Jesus said in John 15, verse 13, greater love has no one than this. This is the greatest expression of love, Jesus says, that one would lay down his life for his friends. Now, that's an impossible standard of love, right? I mean, I don't know if any of us in the room will ever be required 
to step in front of a racing car and rescue a loved one or a stranger from its path. I don't know if any of us will ever take a bullet for somebody we're trying to protect. But that doesn't mean it discounts all the other expressions of sacrificial love that you and I might make in our normal day life, even though they're maybe less heroic or newsworthy. What would it look like for you and I to live out this kind of sacrificial love because we want to be reflective of the love we've received from God? Well, guys, it might look like you saying to your wife, honey, I've got the kids tonight. You go do whatever you want. Visit Target, get some coffee, call some girlfriends, but the kids are going to be taken care of tonight. Guys, here's a newsflash. That's not babysitting when it's your kids, okay? That's not the same thing, all right? But guys, that might just be a great sacrifice you could make to show your wives that you truly love them. You know, that sacrifice could look like just if you're a student sitting at a lunch table with somebody who has no one else to sit with instead of just sitting with your normal friends and the people that you already know. It might be at work, meaning you would give up a weekend or stay extra hours so that a coworker could go ahead and leave and maybe attend to some things they need to and you would pick up the, the task or the project and see it to completion. Or the more sacrificial thing for you might be to not take overtime, to say no to the next promotion at work so that you can spend more quality time with your family or in your neighborhood where you could show love to those who live around you or in this community. The sacrificial love might look like grabbing a cup of coffee with a friend who's going through a difficult time, providing a ride for somebody who doesn't have a vehicle, paying a bill for someone that you know needs financial help. It's using any time or money or energy or even opportunity that could be used for yourself to use it to help or show love to someone else in a very tangible, sacrificial way. That reflects the love that you have received from God and shows that you want to obey Jesus' command to love others. It might be putting down the bitterness and the hatred you have in your heart and to show love and forgiveness towards somebody who has hurt you instead of harboring bitterness or, or even taking revenge. Jesus is talking to his disciples, his followers, when he gives this command. And his first intent is that we would learn to love each other. And we acknowledged just a couple weeks ago that inside the walls of the church, we've not been great at following God's command to love one another. We talked about the hurt that we have caused. We talked about the hurt that has been done to us by the church. What's been amazing since that weekend, just a few weekends ago, is watching what God is doing. I would describe it as revival among us as I've watched and heard stories of people putting down their hurt feelings, seeking reconciliation and restoration, being renewed spiritually, coming to faith in Christ. Those are things that are the marks of true revival. It's what's happening in Asbury. It's what's happening in many places across our country. And it's happening here. All glory to God. But I also need to point out that it isn't just what happens with inside of these walls. The love that we've received from God should also be demonstrated to every person that we cross paths with. R. Flint said this, Christ's death for all men pledges us to love all men. To abide in the love of Christ, we must seek to lessen the pain and suffering, the ignorance and crime, the wrong and injustice. And to make all to whom our influence can reach better and happier. 
Jesus came for us to experience life to the fullest. And this comes by learning how to abide, by receiving the love of God and loving him in response. Developing an enduring intimacy with him through engaging in his word and prayer. And it also is by loving others, all those around us, with the same kind of love that we have received from God. We have some ways that we want to flesh this out in a practical way. And like last week when you heard from Ryan King who is owning this objective of how we can nurture this enduring intimacy with God. Today I want you to hear from one of my other teammates who's owning this, this objective of how we can foster a very sincere love with others. And so I want to invite Aslan Carter to come up and share with us some practical ways we can live this out. Would you welcome her? Well, good morning, everyone. As we prayerfully considered how we could abide by being with others this year, we landed on an objective. And you probably, or you may remember that back from Vision Sunday back in November. And here's what it says. In 2023, we want to abide with one another by engaging in intentional relationships beyond the weekend worship service. Now, if you're like me, a very linear thinker who likes to be able to connect all the dots, you may be sitting there thinking, how did we go from John 15 and Jesus inviting us to abide and challenging us to love others the way that he has loved us to engaging in intentional relationships? And that's a very fair question. It comes down to this. We believe that intentional relationships are the best context for us to learn to abide and for us to foster sincere love for each other. And these relationships, they require time and intentionality that just isn't afforded to us on a regular basis as part of our weekend worship gathering. We want every person who calls Crossroads home, every one of you who is committed to abiding with Christ to seek out these intentional relationships As the popular Christian author Jenny Allen says, we want you to find your people. Scripture is really clear that from the very beginning, we were not created to do life alone. You may be familiar with a verse that says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And if we're going to grow in this enduring intimacy with God, if we're going to grow in fostering sincere love for one another, then we're going to need the support and encouragement of some other branches next to us. So we are defining intentional relationships this year as loving and grace-filled opportunities to know others, to be known by others, and to grow together in abiding in Christ. You see, at their core, intentional relationships are safe spaces where we can love and grow alongside one another. We can be open, honest, and vulnerable, knowing that there's grace and forgiveness to catch us when we fall. We can walk alongside others who are also learning to abide. And together, we can be changed by him. If you have visited the Be With Others portion of our online roadmap, you may have seen this tagline. It says, transformation happens best in community. You see, that's a picture of intentional relationships. 
It's branches abiding alongside other branches as each one remains connected to the vine. There's this sense of mutuality and reciprocity as I learn from you and you learn from me and together we learn from Jesus as we abide in him. So let's get practical. How do we find and engage in these intentional relationships? And in order to answer that, I wanna kind of address three different groups of people this morning. The first group is those of you who would say that you already have intentional relationships in your life. You have safe places where you can know others, where you can be known yourselves, and where you can grow in abiding together. If that's you, know that you're blessed. And maybe take time to thank the Lord for those relationships today. We want to encourage you just to continue growing together deeper. Love one another well. Encourage one another to abide well. One resource that we've developed for you, we're calling our abiding questions. This is just a set of three different questions. And as you can see on the screen there, the first question has to do with abiding by being with God. The second question has to do with abiding by being with others. And the last one has to do with abiding by being sent. So these questions are available online. There are some printed copies out at the Connection Center today. And we encourage you just to start asking these questions of one another within your intentional relationships. It can be one-on-one over a cup of coffee. It can be part of your small group that you may be a part of. And last word, before I move on to the next group of people, if you have intentional relationships in your life, would you consider inviting others in? There was likely a time in your life where you were hungry for this kind of relationship and someone else extended an invitation to you and that invitation made all the difference. I wanna encourage you to do the same for someone else, to invite them in, to know and be known alongside you and to grow together with you. The next group I want to address is those of you who say, yes, I am ready. I want to find my people, and I want to begin growing together. The first thing I'd like to do is maybe to invite you to an upcoming experience we're calling Try a Group. It starts on Monday evening, March the 6th, and this is kind of just a six-week trial. Maybe you haven't ever been a part of a small group here at Crossroads, um, or maybe it's just been a while, and you're looking to re-engage This is a great opportunity for you to come alongside other people who are hungry to grow in abiding. We've got snacks provided. We've got child care provided. So if you are hungry for connection and community, we want to ask you to consider joining us. Our hope is that you'll love it, that you will find a safe place where you will want to continue on growing together. You can learn more about that and register online. Now, if Monday evenings don't work for you to try a group, um, or perhaps you're looking for a more specific type of group, then we would encourage you to check out one of our many different group options already available. We literally have groups for every age and stage of life, starting from our littlest worshipers all the way through our seniors. And if you go to our groups page on our website, you can see a listing of all of those different options from youth to young adult to mixed gender small groups to women's groups to men's groups to seniors. We believe that there's a place for you. Maybe you don't need to try a group, though. Maybe you don't need to find a new group. Maybe what you need to do is to re-engage with a group that you've previously been a part of. 
There have been a lot of things going on in our world over the last few years, and there's a lot of reasons that people have disconnected. Maybe it's been COVID. Maybe it's been other life circumstances. But maybe for you, what you need to do today is to reprioritize those intentional relationships. And if that's you, I would encourage you, before this week comes to an end, reach out to someone who's part of that group that you disconnected from and reconnect with them moving forward. Some of you are ready to find and engage in intentional relationships, but for whatever reason, maybe a traditional group um, or a more structured group doesn't work for you. And if that's the case, then we want to challenge you just to consider forming your own group. You see, when it comes to intentional relationships, there is no one size fits all. Your intentional relationships may look different depending on your life circumstances, your season of life, maybe even your unique wiring. And so it could be two or three mamas who are just having some intentional conversation as they walk along the riverfront with strollers and little ones. Your intentional relationships could be a group of business people who meet over lunch a couple times a month. There could be you and one other trusted friend who meet regularly for coffee. What's most important is that you're intentionally creating opportunities to know others, to be known by others, and to grow together in abiding in Christ. Now, if you're hesitant to form a group, kind of going, well, I don't know what we would do. I don't know what we would talk about. We've got resources for you. Those abiding questions I mentioned earlier are perfect. We also have some small group discussion guides that go along with each of our weekend messages. And those are just some great prompts to use to get conversation flowing. And you can find both of those resources on our small groups page. If you have any questions this morning about our groups here at Crossroad, a great place to find intentional relationships. I wanna let you know that Mark Silen, our small groups pastor, and I will both be out in the atrium following service. We'd love to answer any questions that you have or maybe just help you figure out what a first step in the right direction may be. You can find us near the bright green sign that says grow together. The final group I wanna address this morning is those of you who, for whatever reason, are maybe hesitant to engage in intentional relationships. Maybe you're scared. Maybe you've been hurt in the past and you're still nursing those wounds. Maybe you're not even convinced that intentional relationships are important. Well, if that's you, then we want to encourage you to just take a small step in the right direction. And maybe that small step needs to happen right here within the walls of this place, a relatively safe space. If you were to visit the being with others portion of our online roadmap, then you would see that one of our suggested steps is to intentionally engage with those who sit near you during weekend worship services. We have a beautiful story of what that looks like. So check out this video with me. Well, guys, thank you so much for being here today. I'm just so excited to kind of share the story of how you all met one another and how your relationships have kind of developed over time. So we're just going to jump right in and we're going to start with you, Will and Leanne. If you wouldn't mind, tell us a little bit about what brought you to the Evansville area and how did you land at Crossroads? So I started uh, applying for jobs uh, outside of Southern California. Uh, Toyota here in, uh, in Indiana picked me up right away. Uh, they helped move my family out here. And 
fun time since. So Southern California to Southern Indiana. Okay, okay. Now, Leanne, how did you guys come to Crossroads? So um, we got here in January of 2022. Um, and the first Sunday that we were here, we decided to go to church because we knew that it would be like a firm foundation to start in this new city. We picked it out because we were close by where we were staying and we were also close by where we were gonna give birth. <laughs> this is our son. We, we moved when we were five months pregnant and um, and we had him in May. So we've, um, we chose the right church. Everyone's been so kind to us here. That's awesome. Do you remember like that first Sunday that you walked in? I know some people talk about, you know, coming into a bigger church can feel a little intimidating. It can be easy to kind of feel lost in the shuffle. So what do you remember about that first weekend that you came? Yeah, we still remember the names of the people that we met. Um, see, uh, Rick was at the communal table and um, he showed us into the welcome uh, desk and we met Grover and Deidre and got kind of plugged in with all our information. And then we came to the worship center where this lovely couple met us and Bill leaned over and told us a couple stories about, you know, the history of the church and the ministry around the city. And we just felt right at home and started singing and talking about Psalms. And um, we just knew that we had arrived in a place that would tether us to this new city. So, Bill and Martha, what do you guys remember about that first Sunday when you met Will and Leanne for the first time? Uh, I just remember walking into the pew and seeing that somebody was sitting in my pew. <laughs> what are we doing there? And, uh, and uh, I kind of hesitated, but then I saw a smile on her face, and I, I realized this wasn't going to be a hostile takeover. So, <laughs> so anyway, uh, I just uh, struck up a conversation with them and uh, shared some things like she talked about, asked them questions, but they were very receptive. Sure, so Mike and Acacia, when do you remember meeting Will and Leanne? Uh, well, I just remember looking and just seeing this young couple. And so we introduced ourselves and found out that they were from California. And um, just as being, as a mother, I think I thought about if it were my daughter, someplace what I would want someone to do and so that was kind of maybe the start of it that I just didn't want or I wanted them to know they had support here. Well Steve and Donetta I see that you like baby Jet but <laughs> did you actually like Will and Leanne first or? <laughs> Not really. No. No. <laughs> no, from the time we met them we just fell in love with them. Well Jet wasn't here people. yet. Well that's true. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't like Leanne, there's something desperately wrong with you. And Will's just an awesome father and a good man. Good Christian people. You know, a healthy church is a multi-aged uh, group. Yeah, I like that you brought that up because I think some people feel like friendships need to be with people who are in the same season of life that you are, you know, similar in age, you know, similar life experiences. And you guys just kind of bust that myth to pieces. So I don't know, Bill and Martha, like what has it meant to you guys to, um, you know, have friends that are in different seasons of life than you? Well, it's just, uh, it's, it's just great to be able to share experiences that we've had with them and them to share with us where they came from and what they have going on and what their future, uh, how they've got it laid out and what, what their plans are. And you know, we, we have committed, as others have too, to 
helping them raise Jet to be a man of God. Yeah. And so, you know, we can have, we have experiences that we can do that. Well, and what does that mean to you guys, not having family that are close by, that you have some couples that are a little bit ahead of you in life to come around you? It's everything. It's it was one of our, our fears, especially when we were telling our parents that we were gonna head out here. They, everyone said, I hope you find your group, your people. And um, we, we did from the very get-go, from the very first week. So it's just been everything to become family together. Now, when I think about these relationships, it's just, it's been tiny little steps. It's been somebody like introducing themselves rather than getting annoyed that someone had taken their seat. It's an invitation to coffee. It's an invitation to dinner. Like, is this rocket science or is this something that anybody here in our church could replicate? Absolutely. The most natural causes of this friendship that like has endeared ourselves to each other. It's, it's so interesting. And um, I think that's, God has made us all to like want companionship and friendship. I'd love to see more and more of us just reaching out and loving one another well. And you guys have been such a beautiful example of that. So thank you so much for what you've done for one another, but also just for your willingness today to kind of come and share your story and just to allow us to learn from how you have um, loved one another, but certainly loved like Jesus. Well, I hope you are encouraged by Will and Leanne's example, or maybe by something else that you've heard today. What we want to challenge you to do is to figure out what your next step is. Maybe it is just engaging with somebody near you here within this room. Maybe it's um, taking a step and going out to the atrium and figuring out what it might look like to be part of a group. We're not asking you to do all the things. Ryan said that last weekend, but we are asking you, we're challenging you to figure out what is your next step. As you abide in the love that Jesus has for you, how can you allow that love to flow through you into the lives of others? On the same night that Jesus taught his disciples about abiding, Earlier in the evening, he said something very similar about loving one another, but he kind of makes another added point, and he talks about the result of when we love one another well, and the result is that the world takes notice. Look at John 13, verses 34 and 35. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Would you pray with me? Father, as we abide in you and in your love, may that love just naturally overflow into the lives of others. May we prioritize intentional relationships where we can know others and be known ourselves and, and simply grow together in abiding in you. And as the world takes notice of our love for one another, May you receive all the glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.